are listening to Read Around the Rosé, the podcast full of prose. We are just two friends who love murder mysteries and dystopian novels while drinking wine as well. That's just what we do. This is the book club podcast that you You never knew you wanted. I'm Nicole. I was going to actually let you say your real name. (laughs) And I'm Megan. (laughs) I'm Nicole. And that was Megan. I was going to let her have her moment. I just wanted to beat you for once. I know, but I was going to let her have her shining moment. You can't let me have my moment. Just let me steal it, you know? But I let you have it and you said my name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's okay. Next time. Next time. Next time. Sure, 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 sure. It'll happen one of these times. It'll be perfect. Uh, Let's hope. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you remember, but last time we recorded, we just both said the same thing at the the exact same time. Like, we both said, I'm Nicole. I'm Nicole. I'm Megan. Uh Uh Yeah. So, anyways. (laughs) um, Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) So, what book are we talking about this week, Nicole? Oh, yes. This week, we are going to discuss Bluebird, Bluebird by... Attica Lock. Woo woo. And what are we drinking today? Yes. So we are drinking something brand new. Something we're very excited about. Super, super duper excited about. It's mm-hmm. called The Wonderful Wine. And not only is it wonderful, but this one is also a rosé. And I think they make other ones under this name. Rosé. What other kinds? Do you remember? Uh, there's a, I think there's a Pinot Grigio. I think there's a white blend. So they have other wines because the cool thing about this wine, it is a clean wine, meaning it's made with organic grapes. It's sustainably friendly and farmed, vegan friendly, all of those wonderful things. It's keto friendly, meaning it's a little less sugar. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I didn't taste a huge difference from what I normally would with my. It tastes so good. It does. We already, we had to pop it open a little earlier Mm -hmm. because when you hear of a vegan friendly organic wine got to make sure you actually like it because you uh-huh. just never know. Yes. I've tried organic vegan things that are no sugar, and I'm like, oh, what is this? Yes. Um, but anyways, so the front of the bottle is gorgeous. It tells us that it tastes like magic hour. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. And then being right and beating the high score, which whatever that means. <laughs> it tastes like being right and beating the high score. It, yeah. It feels great. <laughs> But the description's also wonderful in the back of the wine. So, have you ever wondered what's in the wine you're drinking? Hmm? Grapes. Right? Just grapes. You stomp on grapes, right? Turns into wine? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, we did too. Which is why we're, we created wonderful wines. They're sustainably farmed, vegan-friendly, and pesticide-free. So you can drink clean and feel the wonders. And this bottle is 12.7% alcohol. Which is not the highest, but hey, that's still pretty good. But it's not the lowest. So it's like a vegan-friendly wine. It's clean, it's organic, mm-hmm. and it has a pretty nice, averagely higher ABV. Get you feeling good. Feeling good. Yep. All right. Let me just pour a little bit more into our glasses. They look yes. a little slim. Give us a little refill. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Uh. And we clink. And drink. Yum. So good. Loving it. All right. So I'm going to read you the synopsis 
of Bluebird Bluebird. Again, this is by Attica Locke, and I'm reading this from goodreads.com. Per years, per years. Yep. All right. So, this is a powerful thriller about the explosive intersection of love, race, and justice from a writer and producer of the Emmy-winning Fox TV show, Empire. Whoop, whoop. When it comes to law and order, East Texas plays by its own rules, a fact that Darren Matthews, a black Texas ranger, knows all too well. Deeply ambivalent about growing up black in the Lone Star State, he was the first in his family to get as far away from Texas as he could, until duty called him home. When his allegiance to his roots put his job in jeopardy, he travels up Highway 59 to the small town of Lark, where two murders, a black lawyer from Chicago and a local white woman, have stirred up a hornet's nest of resentment. Darren must solve the crimes and save himself in the process before Lark's long-simmering racial fault lines erupt. A royal noir suffused with the unique music, color, and nuance of East Texas, Bluebird Bluebird is an exhilarating, timely novel about the collision of race and justice in America. Dun, 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 dun. dun. <laughs> And I feel we should go ahead and mention up front that in light of all the recent protests and the Black Lives Matter movement, yes, we wanted to show our support by choosing a black author. And it just happened to deal with a lot of racism issues that kind of really prevalent today. Mm-hmm. So it was actually kind of a joy to read because it a, I got educated. Yep. It was a very relevant book because, um, as you know, as our listeners, we live in Texas. We may not live in East Texas, but we still always hear those, like, things about the, the rural towns. And we've read different, like, cold cases and murder mm-hmm. mysteries about the things that happen there. So this was just kind of a really unique book to read. Yeah. And I think when we picked this book, we didn't even realize it took place in Texas. No. You, we... Initially, we were kind of reading through a different a different few books. Yes. And um, Attica Locke was the author, not knowing where she comes from because I didn't I didn't remember where she came from. I didn't either. Until... But the girl power aspect because she's a female writer yes. was just like kind of a big reason also why we chose this book. I feel yes, it is. Um, but yeah, we we didn't know actually that she was a writer on that show Empire until like. Five minutes ago, when which I, makes when sense because this, this was such a phenomenal book. It was written so well, so yeah, it completely makes sense. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to make sure that we did get that out there out front that you know we are supporters of the Black Lives Absolutely. Matter movement, and we want to show our support by supporting the Black community. And we just want to make more self-conscious efforts of reading more books from Black authors, mm-hmm. more characters that are Black, just everything in general. Yeah, which I think some of our books have already dealt with that, but we maybe didn't do it like on purpose. Like, but now we want to go ahead and make try to make a conscious effort. Absolutely, making sure that we have a more diverse book collection. Absolutely, because we love these books. We want y'all yeah. to love them too. Exactly. Why not all just love the books? Exactly. <laughs> all right. So, um, what do you got for me first? Let's get all into right. it. This was such a juicy book. So much to talk about. So. I'm going to tiptoe into this subject. Fair enough. Heavy book. And start out with um, just who were your favorite characters? Um, That's a kind of a hard question. 
there's so many characters in this book. That's the hard part. There were. Um, I feel like my favorite character right now is the main character, Darren. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, just because he's just such a badass. He's a big advocate for his community. 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 <laughs> Um, he, even though his mama didn't raise him and she kind of lives in a trailer and has a drinking problem, he's still taking care of her in any way that he can. Yeah. His and uncles raised him to be a really good, strong male model. Respects his uncles. His lo- wife, Lisa, he loves her, even though mm-hmm. they're kind of going real funky right now. But, we'll get there. <laughs> I just like that he never gave up. Um, he believed in doing right. For anyone, and that's just kind of the person he portrayed the whole book. Yep, I agree with that. Um, if I were going to say who a, another person who was like a favorite character of mine, um, probably Geneva. Oh, yeah, well, she was just such a badass bitch. Yeah. Uh, how could she not be one of your favorite characters? <laughs> I guess I just chose one, but that she would be definitely be my number two. Right. Um, she was just a very strong female uh, character in this whole thing she had her own business she made sure her family was taken care of um i want her to cook for me yes i really want some of those fried pies uh, i've never had oxtail but the way they kept describing it i was like maybe i want to try oxtail it sounds maybe, delicious but i think geneva needs to cook it for us oh yeah no i'm not <laughs> i'm not just gonna go out and buy oxtail and yes. cook it up but like if geneva <laughs> cooked it uh-huh. with some green beans mashed potatoes for sure I would be all over that. Who else did I really like in this story? I would say, um, what was her name? You just said it earlier. Randy? Randy. Yes. But I just didn't like how she just didn't have any faith in Darren. And she kept having these side thoughts about her estranged husband. Mm -hmm. She just didn't seem like such a solid character. I understand like the stages of grief. Yes. But she wasn't a character I kept relying on because I was just like, well, what is she going to say next or what is she going to do? I don't know. Yeah, it seemed like she was kind of hindering Darren at times or trying to stop him from doing what he thought was right. Yeah. Um, I think I also, I think I really liked his uncle Clayton. Oh, yeah. Oh, gee. That was who he was. Yeah. He was like a, a Southern lawyer. Mm-hmm. Really big into just, like, doing justice for those around him. Yes. Wanted Darren to be successful in life. Mm-hmm. I think that's any family member that I would want in my life. Yeah. I would say that's pro- those are probably my top three or four, whatever we just mentioned. Because there's just so many characters in this book there that are. I don't like, that they're horrible, awful characters. Yeah. If I'm real honest, there was not one white person in this book that I liked. Not, no. Not even a little bit. No. Like, even the sheriff, he tried... But no, he was he so was, awful. He was not, and I'm sure a good we will person. absolutely get into that. But yeah, he was just not there to help all the people of his community. No, he was not. All right, what's Ugh. your first question for me? Okay, so all my questions are deep and heavy. So sorry. Luckily, you tiptoed because <laughs> I'm going right into it. <laughs> I tried I, to wade us in. <laughs> so at the beginning of the book, we learn that Darren drove out to help his friend McMillan. Uh huh. And. So the question kind of goes with, where should his loyalties lie? Should he be a ranger first, or should he be an advocate for his old family friend? So kind of just getting into it. My bad. That's okay. Um, I guess, do you want to kind of explain what the situation was at the beginning? Okay, yeah. So at the beginning, it starts out with Darren. He's on the witness stand um, for a grand jury trial. Uh, so that they can determine if they are going to indict McMillan or not. 
because um, Darren gets called in the middle of the night mm-hmm. by McMillan. He needs help. He says, there's a situation at his house, and just, can you please come out and help me? And Darren is a Texas Ranger, so I guess if you're a friend of a Texas Ranger, it would make sense to call him directly. Mm-hmm. But also, he should have probably just dialed 911 if he really needed help. It was like he was just trying to find someone in his corner already. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I don't fault Darren in going to help his friend. Because, no. one, he is law enforcement, and it is, and it is his friend. So sure. I can see if it were me and someone called me up like that, I probably would have gone and done the same thing. Um, but when he gets out there, the situation he comes across is... Um, so McMillan is like a old... Older black man, like 60s, 70s. Yeah, he's he's older, sure. And his granddaughter, Brianna, or Brianna, I don't remember exactly how it Some, was One pronounced. of those. Mm-hmm. Um, was, I don't remember her name exactly either. It was She was home alone. And this guy, Ronnie, who is a white guy and a known member of the... Um, Aryan Brotherhood. Thank you. The Aryan Brotherhood of Texas. Um who obviously are white, racist assholes, was on their property and... Like, her harassing, yeah. Harassing her, like, probably trying to get her to come out or trying to get, to get her to let him come And it wasn't in. just then. It was, like, all the time. He would, like, follow her around and harass her around the town. And this time he happened to be on McMillan's property. Yeah, so now he's on Kinda. their property, like, at night in his truck. She's home alone. She doesn't feel safe. So she calls her grandfather, like, help i need help like i can't get him to leave so he comes home but on his way home he calls darren and so when darren arrives mcmillan had already arrived and he arrives to this scene of mcmillan and ronnie uh pointing guns at each other pretty much yeah i think it was more mcmillan was like about to shoot Ronnie I think, for what he did. I think he had the gun, the way I wrote it down, I think he had the gun pointed right at Ronnie's head. Yeah. But Ronnie wasn't defenseless. He also had a gun out. So it, they were kind of at a standoff. Yeah. And when Darren showed up, I mean, I think he played it right. He played more like the law enforcement. Yeah, even though he didn't really ask a whole bunch of questions. He was just trying to be like the neutral party of it all. And trying to get just the situation handled, get McMillan to let the other guy off his property, and then just kind of like... Exactly. But I think in that moment, when you have two people with guns pointed at each other... Very difficult. You you don't need to ask a lot of questions. At this point, you're just trying to defuse the situation so that nobody gets hurt. Sure. Which is exactly what he ended up doing. So I think bravo on him. He I think he played that perfectly well. He did it right. McMillan didn't get hurt. The granddaughter didn't get hurt. Ronnie was able to leave. Until two days later. Yes. Two days later, Ronnie ends up dead, shot in a ditch, and with a thirty-eight caliber, which was the same exact gun that McMillan had pulled on him. And it's now just magically disappeared. Where's the gun? Yes, now the gun is was stolen or whatever, so... This is why Darren got in trouble, because um, his superiors and everything think that he helped cover up this crime. Mm-hmm. Like, like he helped hide the gun for McMillan or what have you. So when he's on the witness stand, he is just trying to 
he's just relaying what happened. Yeah. Honestly. Um, he doesn't know who shot Ronnie. Um, and he's just trying to, you know, while still being truthful and be a Texas Ranger, also protect his friend McMillian. McMillian. But I think. McMillian. <laughs> but because he was just there in the situation and because he filed a report and all this happened. Yes. He was on suspension from the Texas Rangers. Uh-huh. So getting back to the question, because that was a beautiful backstory. Oh, yeah. Because you asked me to explain yes. the backstory. So, yeah. Beautiful backstory. And I think that was very necessary, especially if you haven't listened to this book. It kind of sets up. Yes. Like, you learn who Darren is a person. Mm-hmm. You get to hear kind of like, he's kind of in shit right now. Oh, and another back backstory to that. Uh, Darren's wife, Lisa, was extremely mad at him for even leaving the house to go help McMillan. So they're kind of on the off right now. Yeah, so they're a little separated. Yeah. Which they'd been, I think, kind of rocky before that. And this just kind of put them over or put her over the top. He was supposed to be a lawyer, and he ended up going to the Texas, being a Texas Ranger. And as we learned throughout the book, if you're a Texas Ranger, like, that comes first. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So going back to the question... Um, where should where Darren, did his loyalties lie? Yeah, should he be a Texas Ranger, or should he help his family friends? Because it kind of this book was just like you were either one or the other. It's so I, sad. I honestly feel like he played it exactly right. Yeah, I think he his friend called him for help, so he was loyal to his friend by coming out and helping and defusing the situation. A family friend at that, like close yes. family friend, not just like. A friend I meet on the street, like someone that you've known your whole life. But he was also loyal to his job by filing the report. He did. He did file the report, even though he was kicking himself for it, but he did. Yeah, but he filed the report because he was like, if I don't and they find out about it later, he would be in even worse shit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think he played it exactly right. And he didn't know who killed Ronnie. He didn't help cover anything up. So, I think he did it right. I think he went out and he helped his friend, and he also um, stayed true to his job as a Texas Ranger. Sure, absolutely. So, I, who should he have laid loyal to? I, I think he was loyal to both, and I think he did it beautifully. Perfect. I love it. It's like a loophole to the answer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, what you got? Okay. Okay, so we kind of touched on Geneva earlier when we yes. talked about our favorite characters. So, when you went, if you remember, there was a white trucker that went to Geneva's. Mm-hmm. Like, he stopped there, like, as a rest point for a second. And he noticed when he walked in, he was the only white person. And he asked first, like, oh, is there another truck stop nearby? And Geneva was like, if you want to drive, like, another few hours. Um, otherwise, how, how can we help you? Um, but when he noticed he was the only w- white person, what were your thoughts about him deciding to get his food to go? And what other thoughts did you have on the racism in this town? Well, good question, because I want <laughs> I'll, I'll get to that next. So I'll describe mine <laughs> and then you just hold your tongue for a minute, I suppose. OK, um, it's definitely messed up. I just think like if you walk into an establishment, no matter what you know, you just see a sign like food. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Walk in, enjoy your food. Mm-hmm. Why does it matter of the ethnicity of someone serving you? Absolutely doesn't right. matter because let's be real. We want to go eat Geneva's food. We he sure was do. very lucky enough to stop there to get to try her beautiful, home-cooked, glorious, just fatty, delicious food. Exactly. And so no, I think he should have absolutely stayed because – 
that's another way to make connections, make friendships, because mm-hmm. that might not be the only time he takes that route. What if he takes it again? Exactly. What if he's like, hmm, I made such good friends this, this first time. I'm going to pop back in and get some more, like, delicious food. Like, you miss out on the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And you miss the companionship, because I know driving on the road is a very hard lifestyle. And so you're going to give up communicating with others just yeah. because the color of their skin. Very yeah. messed up. Mm-hmm. At that point, go take your food to go. I don't want to talk to you. Exactly. Um, and then your next point was just like the, just your the environment over, just of your, Lark. Yeah, just your overall thoughts. I just think like that was kind of your very first introduction to the fact that this was still a very... Well, not really because we got to meet Geneva right when her husband and her son were killed and she was walking up to their graves bringing them pies and food and all of that but i guess that was the first interaction of this trucker right it was the first like obviously you were introduced to geneva and everything beforehand Mm -hmm. what i meant was when the when it was a white person coming into a a black establishment or mostly black establishment um and he obviously was super uncomfortable and wanted to leave and go somewhere else I think that was your first glimpse into the mm. fact that that's how this whole town was. Absolutely. And so just regarding the the town of Lark, wow. It was it's kind of like it's never gone forward in time. Yeah. It's just people have such harsh grudges among each other. I think let me see. Oh yeah, this took place in 2016. Yeah. So it felt like if you read it though, you would think it would take place in like the 1950s or 60s. Or earlier. Or, well, because it would be the 1970s when everything's just kind of like, um, if I remember correctly, 1968 was a big significant year because it was, let me look it up real quick, actually. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to sound off turn, but. (laughs) I don't remember the the exact years of things, but I'm just thinking in terms of segregation it had to have been like the 1950s or 60s where it was still like acceptable. So in 1968, I knew I had, I, I just I had this in my head. Uh-huh. It was the Fair Housing Act, Housing Act, prohibit discrimination concerning the sales, rental, financial of housing based on race, religion, national origin of sex. Okay. So 1970s and on, you know, there were more laws made and more of Where this. Where segregation wasn't really a thing. Exactly. But in, so, like, Texas, it's, like, it took forever for that to even that's happen. Why, that's why I was saying, like, even in 2016, when you're reading about it, even though this is a fictional story, yeah. I'm sure there's still places in Texas that today, this is how it still is. But oh, it, it, I am so sure about that. But that's you, just so sad. It is sad. But when reading about it, it didn't sound like a story from 2016. It sounded like a story from, like, the 1950s. It did. Before the segregation segregation laws came into play. And Geneva, young Geneva, even mentioned that, like, Jim Crow already happened. Mm -hmm. And that was years ago when things haven't changed. That was Wendy that said that. Oh. (laughs) See, that's why I'm confused. I was talking to Nicole about this. I was like, who is this Wendy character? Yeah. I guess, like, there's so many minor characters in this book. Uh And it's really hard... um, Keeping, like, who's who. Yes. And it took me almost into the end to realize some of, the, like, the minor characters. Were actually main characters. Main characters. <laughs> and so my head kept getting a little funky. Yeah. We'll get there. Um, um, but so, I think... Oh, oh wait. Nip, nip. Did, you, did you ask your question? My next one had to do the same thing. 
it's how how would you describe just the racial environment in Lark, Texas, which is kind okay. of what you just asked me. So now I want to know what I think we just kind of blended that yeah. in. But yeah, like I said, like I think it was just very. Um, even though the story took place in 2016, it felt like nothing had changed and at all. It was especially weird because Geneva had her own plot of land that she kind of was gifted and then bought out, and then her husband bought the land out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But across the street was this like uh, Thomas Jefferson style home. And blah 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 modeled off the White House. And it, was, it was it was his land. It was like Willie. His name is Willie, and he was just like, "I'm a looker out of the town," but really, it was his um, father. It was a Wally. Wally. Oh wow, Wally. I was really <laughs> close. But it was his father or grandfather. That, Do you remember his father's name? I don't. Cause I didn't I, write it down. Because that's important later, and I couldn't remember his name. I was hoping you would. That's okay. So but, Wally's father yeah. <laughs> had this land. And um, ended up giving Geneva part of it, and she ended up buying out. And so Wally felt felt like he was so entitled to yes. Geneva's plot of land because it was his birthright. We'll get into it Ugh. later. All right, I think Ugh. we I think we hit, I think we hit that one good enough. Do I want to ask you my next one then? You just did. Oh, okay, because we blended it in. Sure, together. sure, sure. Um, I just have so many. I have like eleven questions to ask you today. Um, maybe you should go ahead then. Okay. I don't think I have eleven questions. <laughs> Not even total. <laughs> so when um Darren first met Geneva, she wouldn't give him the time of day, right? Right. So why do you think Darren wanted Geneva's approval? And why didn't she want a friendship with him? Well, I think it's just I think it's explained very well in both of their backgrounds. It sure was. Absolutely. So as you I think you I don't know if you touched on it earlier or not. Um but Darren's mom didn't raise him. Um, he was raised by his uncles. Mm-hmm. His mom, they did not approve of his mom at all. Because she was like, she had brothers that were in and out of jail, and she had a drinking problem. She herself, yeah, like had a drinking problem. I don't know if she did drugs or not, but she was not a very stable person. No. So her his uncles tried to keep him away from, from his mother, but... Obviously, it's still his mom, and he was drawn to her, but he was always very wary of when he went because he, he was like, she just wants something, you know? Sure, yeah. Um, so he didn't really have a stable mother figure in his life at all. He was basically raised by men. His uncles, yeah. And I think when he saw this strong businesswoman. Very independent. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um he was kind of looking, and she's like of a grandmother age at this point. I think he was just kind of looking for that maternal um, acceptance. But why should, why didn't she accept that back? I think because he was an outsider. That's very fair. He isn't from their town, even though he is Texan. He is Texan, and he's even of the black community, just like she is, but... Lark, I think they said it had maybe 200 people in it. Like two, 220, something really tiny. Very tiny. So I could, she's like, I have zero clue who you are. I don't know why you're here. And then especially when they found out that he was a Texas Ranger, because when he first showed up, he wasn't acting as a Ranger because he wasn't really supposed to be there. Kind of, kind of lied, but not really. I guess it's a lie without omission. Abnish- I don't think it was a lie because he wasn't supposed to be there as a Ranger. But that's how she took it. Because later exactly. in the book, she's like, you lied to me. 
He's like, well, no. I, I understand that's how he took how she took it, but he wasn't purposely lying. He was just like, I, I'm not here as a ranger, so I can't represent myself as a ranger. Yeah, even I, though he was kind of suspended, I can only officially do it. That's why he wouldn't represent yeah, himself exactly, as a, which is good on him because that's kind of. I bet if that went to his superiors, he'd been kind of in trouble for that. Exactly. So he could not represent himself as a ranger while he's suspended. He had to just be Darren the person, not Darren the ranger. Yeah. So, sure, he's just trying to kind of get a feel for the town and, like, see what's going on because his friend tipped him off of these murders. Um, but I can also see, like, he was kind of being a little standoffish and not saying too much of, as to why he was there because he knew he couldn't. And that just kind of put her um, her shields up. If Yeah, it gives you kind of, like, a bad taste in your mouth. Like, I meet you the first time. And I think I know who you are, but I don't because I don't give you the time of day. But then I find out who you are. Yeah, and but you then didn't tell me. So yeah, then a obviously in a small town. Yeah, after being there for like two days, he was found out that he actually is a ranger. Word spreads, and now now he seems like a liar, even though he was just he was doing the right thing. Oh yeah, by not representing himself as a ranger when he wasn't there on for ranger duty purposes. It was just a very interesting <laughs> meeting, even though they, like, absolutely needed each other mm-hmm. through the very end of the book. And it made you think, like, okay, like, no matter the race or ethnicity or whatever, it didn't matter. Like, just because they were both black, they, he, she wasn't going to automatically trust him. Yeah. So it kind of showed you, like, for, for her perspective, like, it didn't matter who you were, what color you are. She's you're just an outsider. You're not from you're, this town. If you're an outsider, you're an outsider. Just because we have the same color of skin doesn't mean I'm going to trust you automatically and vice versa. Very fair. Very fair. So uh, my next question, kind of fast forward. Just Wait, say, that oh. was your question. Oh. You just asked me two in a row. My bad. <laughs> I'm just so excited to keep asking them. I have so many. Okay, go for it. Okay. So did you have any thoughts or theories on who committed the murders or if they were connected. Can I give the background real quick? Yes, I was just about to say okay. we haven't even touched on who was murdered. So okay. Yes, please so do. So in the in the in the city of Lark, Texas. <laughs> um so we found out there's two murders and that's kind of why Darren got this put on his radar by his friend Greg. Greg. Greg, Greg and him were childhood friends. And I believe Greg is in the FBI. Yes, Greg's in the FBI, but he has a desk job, so he's trying to get out of it. So mm-hmm. he put Darren on this case. And what we find out is there is this guy named Michael. He is from Chicago. He travels down to East Texas and ends up murdered. Yep. And shoved into the bayou. Yep, they find him in the bayou. Two days Drowned. later. Drowned, yeah. Two days later, um, there's Missy. She's a local white girl mm-hmm. who is found in the bayou as well, presumed to be drowned at the time. Yep. So the two homicides back to back don't quite know how they're related. Especially they... because Michael's an outsider and he's yeah. like 35. Yeah, he's and... out of town, out of state. And Missy is a local and she's 20. Exactly. So it was just, you know. So you're like, okay, they're so back to back they obviously they should be connected yeah but you don't know how or why so can you go back to so that's my, that's just like the, the that's background. the background yeah so my question is um did you have any thoughts or theories on who committed the murders or if they were connected honestly because 
It had like a lot of the book. We learned a lot about Darren's background with the Aryan Brotherhood. I really thought that the Aryan Brotherhood Brotherhood kind of took out both Michael and Missy. And Darren was there to take him down. And, yeah, I thought he was. I thought because Michael was black, Missy was white. There had to be something that they either did together uh-huh. or something to put them together in the same place. Right. Someone that didn't like it saw it and just took them both out because of just the wrongness in their minds that feel like they can do that to human beings. Exactly. Which, just another side note, which I don't think we've mentioned yet. Um, Darren, as a Texas Ranger, when he was not suspended, he was part of the task force that was meant to gain knowledge and try to dismantle the Aryan Brotherhood. Yeah, he was just like a tracker trying to get them down. Yes. So uh, as soon as Darren started putting up that coincidence, I was like, well, maybe that has to be it because why not? It's in a small town. It doesn't seem like the sheriff gives two fucks about them because he said they drowned in a bayou that was, what, how many feet? You What? Oh, yeah, because... I don't know if you're going to touch on this later, but maybe... No, I wasn't going to. Okay. So let's get into it. So Darren one night gets kind of drunk and uh, ends up driving to the bayou and he stumbles into, or he drives near it and then he gets out of the car and he's walking around. He's just trying to like figure out like what happened. Not really a flashlight. Come on, Darren. Oh, he had a flashlight. He dropped it though. Oh, he did. He Because he slipped. Yeah. He lost his footing and he slipped and he himself fell into the bayou and he was thinking oh shit i'm i'm about to die i'm about to drown too like and because he was drunk he just wasn't like reacting correctly and then pretty instantly he had this thought like stand up just stand up just stand up stand up stand up stand up darren just stand up he stood up and he was like well fuck no one could drown in this unless they're like super drunk and both bodies, I mean, I don't yeah. think at the time he had the autopsy report back. Right. But it comes out later, like, they weren't drunk. There's no way. They weren't drunk. So the only way to drown in that is to be, like, uh, pushed under or, like, held down yeah. or something. Like, Missy had a 0.0 ABV. I think it turned out that Michael had maybe, like, a drink in him. I think it was 0.2, which means, like, maybe a drink. Some s- silly like that. Yes. Like, there's just no way. And he's, like, he's a very educated was a very educated mm-hmm. man. Yep. He had his, uh, he was a lawyer, all of this. Yep. Just doesn't make sense for such an educated man with such a low ABV yeah. to drown in but, a bayou. But you find out later he was severely beaten. Oh, yeah. The the beating didn't kill him, but he was thrown into the bayou and he was so weak from being beaten that he couldn't stand up. Yeah. So, Which is more plausible than yeah. him just following in. And, like, drowning for so, no apparent reason without exactly. any motive. So, technically, that. the drowning did kill him, but he never would have ended up in that bayou without being No, raped. absolutely not. Um, but, yeah. So, anyways, I don't know if you actually... I think I did. I did, don't know. Did you have thoughts on who committed or if they were connected? Aryan Brotherhood. Well, okay, yeah, okay, Just from that fact, yeah. Okay, okay, there we go. So... <laughs> I was like, I think you said it somewhere in there, but I'm not sure. <laughs> that was a great question because my next one has a lot to kind of go further into it. Okay. So why was Sheriff Van Horn and the majority of the town concentrated only on Missy's death and not Michael's? Because they're all a bunch of racist assholes. Yeah. And much. and because Missy was a local and Michael was an outsider and... They probably didn't think anyone was really going to care about Michael's death. 
Very fair. That's how it, that's probably what it was. Until Randy shows up and she's making a big stink about things and we'll get to that next. And, but even if she had, okay, so if she had shown up without Darren. Yeah. Probably wouldn't have gone anywhere. And we'll get to it. Oh, you're going to get oh, there? Oh, yeah, I sure am. Okay, I'll stop them. Literally next. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Okay, you said you have a lot more questions than me, so maybe you should ask yours, because my next one has to kind of do with all the um, intertwinedness of everybody's relationships. Okay, so I'll ask you, like, the next two, then. Okay, go. Okay, so literally my next one just l- leads into what you were just talking about. Okay. So it is, what do you think would have happened to Randy if Darren didn't take her under his wing because of the situation in the ice house? Darren was there first, right? And she showed up? No, she was in the bathroom the whole time. She comes out of the bathroom, and he sees her. He's like, oh, what? Oh, there's there's this black girl there. Cool. Okay. Like, okay. And then he's kind of noticing the atmosphere in there. And then just because of that, what do you think would have happened to Randy? Because also Randy got hysterical. And she started going up to the different people in this bar and asking, what did you do to Michael? What did you do to this? So, and so at the end, Darren had a like. Okay, can you uh, just remind me? Yes. Did Michael, not Michael, he's dead already. Mm-hmm. Did Darren start asking questions first or did she come out of the bathroom and start just. I don't think he really had a super big chance to ask questions. He got so, a drink and everyone was staring at him. Okay, obviously because mm-hmm. he was out of place yeah. or whatever. Okay, so I couldn't remember if like he kind of started poking around. So she was already been drinking. And she got hysterical. And she comes out just like flipping out like, yes, what did y'all do to him? Yes. What did y'all do to my husband? Okay. I think if uh, Darren had not intervened, the all those guys in there probably would have killed, they probably would have killed Randy. Oh, yeah. And I don't even know how they many were, people knew that Randy was even there. Nobody. I don't think. Unless she told somebody in her family, but that was never like mentioned. Yeah. You know. But I don't, I think they probably, um, if they didn't kill her, they would have probably severely beaten her and probably done other bad things to her. So awful. Um, Luckily, Darren was there to save her and kind of like guide her, even though she was like, I don't, I don't need your help. And yeah, she's like, I don't know you. I don't And I'm like you. shoving him to the side and like being such a girl when we're drunk. Yeah. Because like there's been plenty of times where I'm like pretty drunk. Uh-huh. And then Jorge is there to like help me. And I'm like, I don't need you. No exactly. way. <laughs> but then I end up like falling or like hurting myself in some really uh-huh. stupid way. And I probably should have taken his help. Uh-huh. So thank goodness Randy actually took his help because it was there and it was very but needed. I don't think she would have. I think he, he had to finally be like, look, I'm a Texas Ranger and show his badge. Oh, yeah. Because she was like, I don't know you. Like he, she thought he was going to maybe try to harm her in some yeah. way. Sure. So, but until he he showed his badge, like she didn't trust him like at all. So yeah, but unfortunately, I think if she if he had not taken her um, under his wing and tried to help her, she probably would have ended up with the same fate as Michael and Missy. Absolutely. Whew. Right, you said you had two more before I get into my. So this next one kind of gets into it all, but it's not the big family tree that we learn later. That's kind of where I'm going next. So maybe you should lead into it with your question. Okay. Here goes it. Me too. I, and I probably need a refill mm-hmm. after this sip. Yum. Woo, that was a big sip. <laughs> Isn't it always? It gave me body chills. Yes. 
<laughs> That's good. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So, as we learned in this book, there are a lot of relationships that are considered taboo to others. Uh-huh. And we start learning kind of the connections between the characters. Because as we talked about earlier, there's a lot of minor characters that we thought were minor characters became major characters. Uh-huh. So, were you surprised that Keith Jr., the little boy, was actually Geneva's grandson? I absolutely was. Right? <laughs> I just didn't think anything of it. Because when we first met um, Keith Jr., he was at Wally's house and his wife was taking care of him. Yes. Um, I was super surprised because I didn't understand all of the intertwinedness of the family. No. All the families. Yeah. And it gets even more complicated than just that, which I think is a good way for me to segue into my next question. Oh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. But before we get there, like, real quick. Uh-huh. Why do you, like, Geneva never having a chance to even, like, be with her grandson? Any comments on that? Like, in the moment of what we knew. What do you mean? Like, we knew that, we found out later that Keith Jr. was Geneva's grandson, but we didn't know that she got any time with him. Like, ugh. Craziness. And I'm sure but maybe we'll touch on that later. We learned out we, we found out later that she did. Yes. But in the moment I was like, wait, why is there a grandmother never getting to interact with her grandchild? Yeah, but none of that was explained until later, so like Fair enough. But it was all explained kind of at the same time. So there was no not a real big moment for me to be like, Oh well, why didn't Geneva have time with her grandson? Because in my head I was still just trying to figure out how is everyone connected? Exactly. <laughs> Which is exactly what we're about to okay, discuss Okay, go into next. it. Go into it. What do we got? What do we got? So, my next thing is not really a question, but let's break down all the intertwined relationships in this town. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, my, like not my next next question, but my next question was, what were your thoughts on Joe Jr., Willie, Geneva, Isaac, Missy, Keith Jr., all of them being connected? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to – don't bother asking that one. No, th- we're just this gonna, is going to get summed up right here, right now. So go into – let's okay. – Okay, so as we stated earlier, we cannot remember Wally's dad's name. No, but he – But we'll just call him Wally's dad. So Geneva grew up as a young person, a young woman, on Wally and his dad's land. Kind Kate. of after every uh, – so I guess if we back up even further, Wally's dad – their the, grandfathers were plantation owners. They are the Jeffersons. They were related to Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson. And they try to live their lives like him. And so they had slaves. They would pick cotton. Which means they have acres and acres of land. Tons of land. And Geneva and her family grew up serving the Jeffersons. And she was, maybe at the time... They, were, they became plot owners, meaning they try to own their own land. But they were going under in the land. They couldn't make their payments. And so Geneva, at a young age, took a job being a cook at the Jefferson's house. That's what I understood. Yeah, she she would come in and cook and clean. And it, she wasn't a slave anymore. That had no. been, that part had been abolished. Yes. But she was still their servant. She was still, un, she, she was a paid servant. But she was still working for them. Because at that time... Um, landowners would lease land and charge ridiculous rates exactly. where no one could afford the rates of the land to grow their own crops or do anything. And the way it was described, um, 
Wally and Geneva were around the same age. Yeah. And while Geneva was working at their house, he would, like, stare at her, like, lustfully and kind of, like, flirt with her. Because she's a good cook. She's probably gorgeous and good looking. Why not stare at her all the time? Exactly. But he never, from what I could tell, tried anything. He never... No, he didn't. Whatever. Mm -hmm. And then Wally's dad let's just call him mr jefferson that sounds perfect because i'm like well he's that we we can't remember his first name mr jefferson we'll call him mr jefferson um obviously at first he was like oh well she's way too young for me this that the other but she's a good cook i'm gonna keep her around but then i guess she reached a certain age like maybe 18 19 and she was still around beautiful gorgeous Mm -hmm. great cook i'm sure that had a lot to do with it because she's a great cook and even geneva will admit that she was attracted to mr jefferson as well it wasn't like um it wasn't uh, she wasn't sexually abused or raped. It could have just been like he had the power and he was kind of like the superior. And that just could have also been attractive in itself in, in any level. Yeah, but I, if you remember the way that um, – because he used to drive her home at night. Oh, Remember? Yeah. And if you'll remember the way that she herself described it, that she one night was like, I just felt these urges just too strong. And I asked him to drive me to a field. And they had sex. And that's when they began their sexual relationship. So I just want like, yes, he was way older than her and everything, but he never forced himself on no, her. No, it seemed like it was very It was very mutual. Neutral. Neutral. But in Wally's eyes, it was very unnatural. Taboo. Taboo. And he wanted her for himself. Which he could never admit or act upon in any capacity of that. So he obviously just held on to this grudge for Geneva, especially once his dad built her cafe on their land. Because he hand-built it and gave her that land. And I think that way he wouldn't have to drive her as Mm -hmm. far home. And all she had to do was, like, walk across the street to, Mm -hmm. like, to... Be their cook for her restaurant. Exactly. And um, I think the land costs money. And um, well, I guess the next part is Geneva meets her, her love of her okay. life. Okay. So we, we explained that part of the thing. Okay. So, so Geneva and Molly's dad had a relationship when she was young. Then she ends up getting pregnant yes. by Mr. Jefferson. Yes. Um, I don't know if she knew she was pregnant when she met Joe Sweet. I think she did because Joe accepted the child as his own no matter what. But I don't think he knew it wasn't his. No, he did. Towards the end of the book, I definitely thought that Joe... Wally told him right before he shot him. But I think he knew the whole time. I, I think, don't know. I think he knew when he was at peace with it because he loved her so much. I mean, it's a possibility, but I don't think they made that point very clear. In my head, that's what I got, but who knows? I don't know. Obviously, we can inter- we could have heard things differently. I'm just a hopeless romantic. But I, the way <laughs> I heard it, I don't think he knew until right before he was shot. So they have but, Joe Junior. But he might have. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know that. I don't know that for sure. Either either one. Either way. Um. She got pregnant, met Joe Sweet, and, like, they fell in love instantly. Like, it was a true, 
love at first sight. Story. He gave up his career as a blues singer, which was really important. And we should probably during the time period who Joe Sweet is, because he's connected to our murder victim, Michael. So Joe Sweet was part of kind of like a blues band, uh-huh. very popular for the time, very popular in the black culture at that time too. Yes, especially in um, East Texas. Or just kind of around the world. So Joe... um, Joe and... I don't... Shit, I can't remember his name either. His partner, which... It was um, Michael's uncle, though. Yes. One of them. Yes. So Joe and um, Michael's uncle would travel together with a band. And they just happened to pass through East Texas. He fell in love with Geneva. They were on their way to Houston to start this huge, big... Like, it was going to be their huge break. Yeah, but Joe and Geneva made eyes, and that was it. <laughs> and so, um, packing up everything, he's like, I'm going to stay. And then Michael's uncle, they packed up the car, and they actually never saw them again. But what got packed up in the car was Joe's guitar. Yep. And so, it was kind of lost. And my uh, things happen in life, years go by. Michael has his uncle who has cancer, is on his deathbed, and just like, I've always wanted to give this guitar back. I just never did it. Mm-hmm. Will you do it? And then kind of in that way, not really, Michael had the guitar, thought about it a couple years, and then brought it back down to East Texas. And that's literally why he was there in Geneva's, to give her back her husband's guitar, yep. which was a beautiful gesture, and she loved it uh-huh. because that gesture reminded, like, at that point, um, Michael reminded Geneva of her past son, Joe Jr. Yes. Because Geneva has her husband, Joe, and her son, Joe Jr., both passed. Which so that was just a great... Yeah. And now that you mentioned Joe Jr., that's another part in this like family tree. Yes. So, Geneva and Joe Sweet fall in love. She has the baby, mm-hmm. which Joe, whether he knows if it's his or not, we're not 100% sure on that fact. But either way, they name him Joe Jr. Yeah. Um, but actually, it was Mr. Jefferson, Mr. Jefferson's child. Yes. Meaning, Geneva's baby Joe Jr. was Wally's half brother. Yes. Which I don't know if Wally knew until later in life. Later in life. Um. And then. When Joe Jr. was an adult and he was married, he had an affair with Missy Dale. And Missy is very, very young. She was our other murder victim. And she got pregnant and had a kid prior, obviously prior to her murder. But we find out her son was Joe Jr.'s kid. It wasn't her husband, Keith. And when I thought about, that was so messed up. So this one thing just resonates in my mind. Okay. Missy married Keith, her high school boyfriend. They've known each other since they were 16. Right. Keith is white. Keith went to prison. Keith has, uh, Missy fooled around while he was in prison and had Joe, uh, Keith Jr., which I think he knew Keith Jr. wasn't his, but he accepted him and adopted him. Mm-hmm. Keith Jr. had blonde, blonde, blonde curls. And isn't it, I didn't think of this till just now. But isn't it ironic that Geneva had a kid with a white man, but named him Joe Jr. after her black husband, and Missy cheated on her white husband 
for the black man, but named him Keithley. Very ironic. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that was a very big stylistic choice of the author. Yeah. Just for the ironic factor. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. No, you're fine. But I was just, it just, that I didn't even think of that, like, factor until just now. But um, Keith was really big. I don't know if he was part of the Aryan Brotherhood in prison. He didn't have tattoos. Doesn't mean he wasn't in cahoots in any so, capacity. If I can touch on that, unless you want to finish your sentence. I oh, I just, touch. I wanted to get to, and then we can talk okay. about it. So, um. Sorry, finish your sentence. Uh, I'll touch on that fact in a second. So, all of that <laughs> was happening. He has Keith Jr. with Missy. Keith Jr. has beautiful blonde curls, but the issue that started coming about is he was getting his color in. His uh-huh. skin was changing colors, and especially over the summer when you were in the sun, no no matter, like, unless you're my sister Alicia, who burns and turns red instead or, of actually being in the sun. Or Will. Or Will. <laughs> my like, husband. We get some sort of tan or the big pigmentation in our skin gets darker. Right. And so that was exactly what was happening to Keith Jr., so Missy to cover it up because she didn't want anyone to know Except that mo- most of us white people, no matter how whether you're ginger or not, usually your first couple in the sun moments are sunburn. Yeah, to turn into a tan. But if you are mixed race or you're another race, you, sunburns aren't really a thing. Yeah, your pigmentation <laughs> just kind of just keeps happening, and your skin gets darker, which yes. is. Absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I always comment to my husband, like, I'm tanner than you. And he goes, well, babe, I'm Mexican. You can yeah. never be tanner than me, <laughs> which is so very true. But we're going to have very gloriously tan, beautiful babies. Yeah. Anyways, besides the fact, Keith Jr., Missy would put him in long sleeves over the yes. summer. Because she was trying to cover up that his skin was darker just getting darker throughout the year throughout just the summertime if you're in texas or have you ever been to texas long sleeves in the summer fucking hot are not okay that's a huge that would be a huge giveaway like something is wrong with your arms i don't care what it is Uh, okay let's move on with um the rest of the kind of uh the family family tree family tree family tree okay so now we know geneva's son was actually Mr. Jefferson's, meaning he was Wally's Joe brother. Joe Jr. was Mr. Jefferson's. And Wally's half-brother. Yeah. Joe Jr. then had an affair with Missy Dale. Yeah. And her baby was actually his. Keith Jr. Mm-hmm. So Keith Jr. belonged to Joe, meaning Joe, uh, or Keith Jr. was Geneva's grandson. Yep. Okay. I think that's where I'm at in my notes here. Okay, Joe Jr. was shot for the affair, and then... But covered up, of course. Covered up. Ooh, I have a question about that, because during some of Keith's confessions mm-hmm. later on, he makes a statement. It's very short. Nobody really touches on it or follows up on it ever after. He claims that Missy shot Joe Jr. Impossible. Why would Missy shoot her lover? I don't know, but he said it. He said, when it came time, she just shot him straight. No, I don't believe that. I don't know what's... I, I mean, it, it, she could have, sure. But it wouldn't make sense for, like, her interactions with Michael and Michael taking her home. I mean, that is true, but, like, he could have just been lying. He could have, because he was trying but, to be an active member in the Aryan Brotherhood. But they never touch on who actually shot him. And that was something that kind of felt funky towards the end of it. Like, who did shoot Joe Jr.? I feel like everything else was kind of wrapped up pretty nicely. 
That was the only, like, mm-hmm. But Keith is the only one who ever said that Missy shot Joe Jr. I just don't see that because why would Missy, if, if she shot Joe Jr., why would she continue to have his child? Why would she allow that child to visit her grandmother? Why would she be uh, involved with Michael? That just doesn't make any any guess, logical sense in my she, head. It was prob- I don't know who shot him then. I mean, we we won't know because this is its only book. I don't know who shot. I don't know who shot Joe Junior. But uh, I don't. We re- we barely touched on this earlier. This is the only reason I don't think it was Keith that shot Joe Junior. Because, um, do you remember Brady? Mm-hmm. The owner of the Ice House. The manager. Wally was the owner. Because mm. uh, it was called Wally's Ice House. Oh, okay. Um, Brady was the manager. And during one of the times that Darren was there trying to find things out, Brady encouraged Keith to kill Darren as, quote, his bag. And I put, is he trying to be initiated into the Aryan Brotherhood? Because Brady tells him to, quote-unquote, do it for Ronnie. I wonder if that's how Brainy got in. Then maybe Brady did shoot Joe Jr. Because, obviously, if Keith... Because if you remember, they said the way to become an Aryan Brotherhood, Mm -hmm. uh, you had to kill a black person. No matter, like, any age, gender, or anything. It's just like... It it doesn't matter. That's the only requirement. How... Fucking awful. It is fucking awful. But the fact that Brady tries to get Keith to kill Darren as his initiation says to me that Keith had actually never been initiated, killed a black person. But I'm wondering because if Keith, okay, so if Keith and Wally, Wally owns it, Keith's the manager. Uh huh. Could it have been Keith then? Because it's his right. No, no, no. Brady's the manager. Oh, sorry. Brady's the manager. Oh, sorry. I said Keith. Yeah. (laughs) Brady's the manager. And then Wally's the owner. Uh-huh. I wonder if something, like some pact between them, something happened, and that's how maybe Brady got his status within that awful I, club. Oh, I could totally see Brady killing Joe Jr. I could too, because that could be how he got initiated. Uh-huh. And then later on, Keith blamed it on Missy. Yeah, because that's an easy out. I just don't logically, I can't even... Even picture a world where Missy would have done that just based on what we found out about her. Yeah, what we know about her, it doesn't make sense. No, not at all. But I did put in, like, that's why I had a lot of question marks behind it. Like, Missy killed Joe Jr.? What? Okay, so. But that was me taking Keith at his word, but obviously his word doesn't really mean anything. So I feel like we got through a lot of the connections. Yeah, I think that was it. I don't think there was any more huge revelations. No, but that was just kind of like a big one in itself because yeah, as we kind of – we've talked about it several times in this podcast. There are so many characters in this book, uh-huh. and it was really hard keeping up with who was who, and you thought a minor character wasn't a minor character, and they realized they were a major character, right. and they all connected in really funky ways. So, But just, once we found out how they were connected, it made so much sense. So just, just real quick, just a few more bullet points I made on my same page of like the family tree – it wasn't really more family trees. It was just more of like it was connecting things. Yeah. So I already put so Ju- Joe Jr. was shot obviously for the affair. Yeah. Um, Geneva knew Missy's baby was her grandson. Yep. Keith found out, and then I put killed Missy? Question mark. Which we found out later. 
was true. And then I wrote this. I already knew this. It wasn't like a, a guess on my own, but I just wrote it as a thing. Keith, Keith also saw Missy with Michael and beat him because he thought she was cheating on him. So this Again. kind of gets into my next question, which is kind of perfect. All right, go for it. So do you think Keith, and what you just mentioned, so kind of runs part of the question. We know that Keith killed his girl, Missy. Right. Um, she strangled her out of rage. But did you ever suspect him of also killing Michael? Or did you uh, suspect Geneva ever? Or what did you think was going on with Michael? So I never once thought Geneva killed anybody. No, fuck no. She not got e- totally framed. Not even a little bit. Totally framed. Um, I I didn't know how it all connected, honestly, until the very end. But I absolutely thought that Keith killed Michael. Like I it, did too. It made sense. It made sense. Especially once you learn that he, uh, Missy already had another man's baby. Yeah. And now he got called and was told, oh, your girl's at it again, talking with another man. He found out who the man was and, oops, sorry. Beat him almost till he died, but then stopped because Only Missy. stopped because Missy kept telling him, yelling at him to stop, 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 stop. So he, like, was adamant that he left him alive on the road. But honestly, if you just leave him there bleeding to death, like, he probably would have even, I don't know if we want to get into the big reveal go for it i think we're 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 kind of treading towards the end i have two more questions they have to do with the end or like the end and then the end end yeah because there's an end end of this book i guess i have two more questions before we get into the reveal okay then go for it um okay i probably we probably just ended that last thing very abruptly so just forgive us (laughs) all right my next question for you what were your thoughts on Keith's arrest for Michael and Missy's murders? Did you think the evidence was there and Darren should have just, quote unquote, taken the win? No. Or was Darren right in wanting to make sure nobody else was involved? I think Darren absolutely had every right. I feel like, I mean, I'm, I haven't studied law and I'm not a police officer in any capacity. Right. But I would feel like... When it made sense for Missy, because Keith absolutely admitted to strangling Missy. Uh-huh. So, like, that part, I'd be like, okay, I did my job. I found her killer. But then he heard Keith's story about Michael and how he pretty much beat him, but he was still alive when he left. Didn't see the car. The car was still running, and then he left. He was mm-hmm. just like, oh, shit. I'm the only one that believes this story, because even Officer Van, Van Horn... <laughs> Um, believe just wanted to pin it all on Michael, like put a bow on it and close it. So I think Darren had the, just the best suspicions, that gut instinct that there was just something more. And I thought it was the most creative that he ended up connecting Joe Senior to Michael's death. There was just so many similarities there, as well as. Michael and Missy, but it just didn't add up correctly. I never would have thought it. But here's my thing. As much as I think Keith was 100% capable of killing Michael, and he almost did. He did. I, as we all know, well, we all, I mean, you and I, because 
know for sure that we read the book. <laughs> <laughs> but anyone else who is listening and who has actually read this book knows that Keith was a big, fat, fucking racist asshole. And a vagina. Right? <laughs> big vagina. So I feel like if he had been responsible for killing Michael. He would have boasted about it. For he, sure. Once he got caught, he would have been like, yeah, I did that. What about it? Exactly. But he didn't He didn't do but that. He, but he was like, I will cop up to the fact that I beat the shit out of him, yes. But I swear he was alive when I left him. And that, to me, says a lot. I mean, you, you admit to killing your wife. But you're saying, yes, I beat the shit out of this guy, but I swear he was alive when I left. Yeah. If it's some random, you know, upstanding citizen guy on the street and he tells you, I swear I didn't kill my wife, that I did this, I did punch this guy a lot because he was having an affair with my wife, but he was alive when I left, I think you might have a little more credibility. But for someone who is admitting, how bad of a guy he is to be like i swear i didn't do that i feel like somehow that gives more credence Mm -hmm. to what he has to say so i feel like darren is the only one in this whole story who had his like blinders off did he absolutely have the right to have his blinders on yes but i also feel like he was like i'm not just about let me get like racial justice i want actual justice i want it didn't feel right to him i want to find out the truth i don't want to just find out what everyone else perceives as the truth i want to know the actual truth and i respected him as a character so much for that absolutely what else you got because my next one has to go into kind of the end okay and end okay well this is just a very random question in between Mm -hmm. (laughs) um we very little touched on Darren and Lisa's relationship, yeah. his wife. Yeah. Um, what do you think about their relationship? It seemed very estranged. Um, it seemed a lot worse than it actually was. Because when he was expressing it, I'm like, oh, they just haven't been, they've been on the rocks for a really long time. Sounds like this isn't just something that just happened yesterday. Even though it kind of is but kind of isn't because we learned that Lisa and Darren when they were in uh, college together she thought she was marrying a hotshot lawyer Mm -hmm. little did she know that he would drop out two years out of law school and go into the Texas Rangers so that kind of started off rocky but it's been years and years that they've been together so I just it just seemed such a weird relationship and honestly I was kind of rooting for Darren and for Ronnie to kind of hook up a little bit. There was moments that could have happened, but I also... Randy. Res- Randy. <laughs> I also really respected Darren for not moving in on Randy in those Ooh, moments. I really wanted to Big touch on respect that too. Ra- factor. Because he could have. He could have done... He could have pushed it and could have gotten, like, needs met. Sure. Because even as we found out later, he's like, it's been weeks and I just want to take my wife to a room and get at her. But Okay, I have thoughts on both both aspects. My question and the thing that you just brought up. So, I think that Lisa had this idea of who she was going to marry. And she thought that that idea of him as a career, not even as a person, 
She had this idea of the career of the person she was going to marry was going to follow. He didn't follow it exactly, and so she was upset with him and mad at him all the time for finding a new passion in life, and it didn't line up with her idea of who she married. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of what I just said, but just more detail, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but I think it's not okay for her to be mad at him for finding a new passion. Absolutely not, because if that was the case, Jorge would have left me from, <laughs> like, Six years ago, when I changed my mind between degrees. Or vice versa? Sure. Same thing with me and Will. Like, did we don't know what the fuck we were doing. Like, if we based our relationship off of our career paths. Your career paths. Our career paths. Like, that would never would have worked. Like, you have to marry somebody for the person they are, not for your idea of who they want to be professionally. You get what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I feel like Lisa had this expe- life in her head. expectation. I'm marrying a lawyer, and this is going to be great, and I'm a lawyer, and blah, 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 blah. We have beautiful lawyer babies. And when he was like, okay, I do love the law, but my passion is actually in carrying. Upholding the law. Upholding the law and carrying out the law instead of defending the law. And because he wants to carry out the law, that takes him away, makes him travel. And, mm-hmm. You know, he's called away in the middle of the night. That was not okay with her. And that's what caused tension in their marriage. And I don't think it's okay for her to have that expectation of him. You have to grow and evolve as a couple. Yeah, too. I felt like she just wanted, she had the one single straight path that she had in mind, and she was not willing to deviate whatsoever. And in my mind, that became a little controlling on her end. Sure. And Darren wasn't willing to yield to that. And we're going to talk about here in a minute more about that path that she chose for him. Because I have some more questions about that. Wait, 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 wait. (laughs) So, that was on his his and Lisa's path. And you were talking about how you respected the fact that he and Randy never actually hooked up. Hooked up. I thought that was so just, like, perfect. I love that because I also, very early on in my notes, I didn't choose to bring it up because it didn't make sense in our conversation. Mm -hmm. But very early on in my notes, I wrote down. um, Okay, so obviously we know Michael and Randy, they were separated for, like, a a year or two. They were, like, very estranged. They were about to get a divorce kind of thing. It was a year or two that they were separated because – Michael had cheated on her, and she had chosen, instead of, like, actually, um, like, actively going ahead and divorcing him or whatever, she was just like, you know what, I'm just going to focus on my career, which she was a fashion photographer, and just travel the world and do what I need to do. So, obviously, her and Michael were not in the best of places when they found out, or when she found out that Michael was dead. So when Darren and Randy end up in the same town, in the same room, in Geneva's RV, well, they were they had a lot of alone time, but that was like super particular, and like, they were definitely kind of flirty, and you know Darren wanted to be there for her, but I think yeah, the ultimate big decision was when Geneva had been arrested for Missy's murder, um. Her Geneva's granddaughter Faith invited Randy and Darren to stay in 
um, one of Geneva's trailers. Mm-hmm. And Randy was like, I'll just sleep on the couch. Not Randy, I'm sorry. Darren said he would just sleep on the couch, blah, blah, blah. They get to talking. And Randy asks him, will you please just stay in the bedroom with me? And he agrees. And I'm thinking in my head, because I, this whole time, Connor was wondering, like, I think... I think Lisa and Darren's marriage is going to dissolve and Randy and Darren are going to spark a romance, which I think the flirtation was there. But what I highly respected was the fact that, yes, they slept in the same room. They even slept in the same bed, but nothing physical happened. They didn't even kiss, not even once. They never even held hands. It was very nice. It was a very gentleman. And I think in most books that we read like this, opposite would have happened something even if it wasn't a full-fledged physical interaction a kiss at least would have happened not then you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i highly respected the fact that even with his estranged marriage you know her husband being dead neither of them pushed it to that level absolutely and i respected it now do i have predictions for later I Which do. we'll get into, so <laughs> bite your tongue. Okay, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> so towards the end of the book, we find out... Um, I'm just going to give some background, and then I'm going to ask you my question. Okay. Um, we found out that Darren, yes, he was above the law, but Darren didn't ask some questions that probably needed to be asked. So McMillan ended up holding a gun against... I forget his name. Ronnie. Ronnie's head. And then Ronnie turns up dead a couple of days later. They can't find the gun. But weird things happen, and I wasn't trying to get into that next part yet. But anyways, um, we find out that Darren has a different rationalization regarding McMillan being killed by... McMillan wasn't killed. By McMillan killing Ronnie. He didn't know for sure that he did it until the very, very, very That's end. That's what we're talking about. The very, very, very end. Oh, okay. So, do you think Darren's rationalizations regarding McMillan killing Ronnie were... Like, just what do you think about the rationalizations in that way? So, you're talking about after his mom showed up? Because that was was the first time he knew he did it. That's my next question, actually. So, backing up a bit. Because... I thought we were going to get into how Isaac was involved in things before we went there. Oh. Okay. Should I ask about Isaac before we get into the the very, very end? I didn't have any questions about Isaac, for sure. Okay. So, my question about Isaac was, what was your reaction when you realized Isaac was involved in covering up what happened to Joe Sr. and his part in killing Michael? It was fucked up. Did you expect it at no, all? No, because he was the barber at Geneva's place. Why would he kill her husband and cover it up? I mean, not kill him, but cover it up. Right. Does that make sense? And we find out it wasn't three robbers. It was It was Wally. Wally across the street. Because he was mad. He was in love with Geneva. He was in love with Geneva. He thought, as he said, that his dad should have given her to him. So he, did, I don't think he, in love was even the right word. He still viewed Geneva as property. Which is awful. And that's probably why he went there all the time across the street to go get her food 
because he thought of her even then, all those years later, as property, which is super fucked up because no one's fucking property. And that's why he kept trying to get her to sell her property to him. Because he felt like he his birthright was to own her land. Fuck that. Yeah, because initially it was his family's land. But it wasn't his anymore after it, it wasn't Joe and Geneva paying off that land yeah. that they worked so hard to obtain. They paid it off. It is hers. Don't fucking come up to that land and try to say it's your birthright, motherfucker. Exactly. it's not. But that's how Wally felt about it, that it was his yeah. and that if she had never hooked up with his daddy, she never would have had that land. Which or may- he would have hooked up with her and never given her the land. What was he going to do? Exactly. Nothing. But he was still real mad about everything. And so the one time Geneva went out of town and Wally, nope, he is Wally, junior senior was left alone. And Isaac was there hanging out. He killed Joe Sr. Isaac was a witness. And now I can understand Isaac was probably scared. It was said multiple times in the book that Isaac wasn't of the right mind. And so that's where we could maybe suggest that he had some, um, maybe just disabilities. Maybe a lower IQ. Or maybe witnessing Joe Sr. Because I don't know how long... He had been, quote unquote, a couple of years ago. It wasn't even that long ago. Because Joe's, in the book, but Joe Joe Senior was killed six years ago. Yeah, but were they saying that Isaac wasn't of right mind way past then, or did it happen after Joe Senior? It was the whole time. They they made that they they would make comments that he was like slower than other people. Oh, just kind of his whole life. Yeah, kind of okay. just his whole life. Okay, I was trying to figure out if it was before or after. Yeah. Okay, so. One, okay, he might have had a lower IQ. He mm-hmm. might have been more susceptible to threats and everything. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. But also, if you witness somebody being killed and that guy threatens you, like if you say a word, I'm going to kill you and maybe your family too, I can understand him trying to cover that up or helping Wally cover it up. What I don't understand is why he... After finding out that Keith had beat Michael, why he would go ahead and finish Michael off and put him in the bayou. I didn't understand that either. I thought that was like, honestly, kind of like a stylistic cop-out of the author. Um, I, I just expected just like a more elaboration. I just, I didn't expect that. Mm-hmm. I thought that was maybe just like, oh, I'm trying to get this story to an end. This is an easy person to kind of put it off to... I didn't see it coming in any sense of the way. I was kind of blindsided by it. It could have been a stylistic choice. Could have. I think the only, if I remember correctly, I guess the only slightly logical explanation would be the fact that Michael was talking about Joe Sr. again and because he brought back the guitar. Mm-hmm. And he and Geneva never really knew who actually killed Joe Michael. Joe Michael. Damn it. What? Joe. Michael Jr. Damn it. Joe Sr. <laughs> this is why Geneva There's kept so getting many, everyone confused too. So many names in my head right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Geneva never actually got justice or anything for her husband, Joe Sweet, which was Joe Sr. Yeah. Michael comes in to give back 
the guitar of him and starts just striking up conversation about it, which brings up the murder of Joe Sweet. And Isaac gets scared thinking Michael's going to somehow spark a new investigation or this, that, the other. Michael's going to start up another investigation? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because he offers her a card because he's a lawyer. Yeah. And he offers her a card to private investigation. Sure. A private investigator. So I can see why Isaac would think, oh, Michael's going to get this investigation started back up. But he didn't actually kill anybody. So, like, why does he... What loyalty What loyalty does he have? Michael? Oh, no, Isaac. Isaac. Oh, I don't... I don't know. I don't... I don't understand. I just don't understand Isaac as a character. Yes. But, like, what loyalty does Isaac have to Wally to make... To need to make sure that Michael's dead? I don't think we were privy to any experiences between the two characters. So, it could have been, you know, they were just... Had something going for each other. Who knows? Who knows? Other than the fact that Isaac witnessed Wally murdering Joe Sweet. I know there's that. But other than that, like... Why would you cover it up? Why do you need to go kill Michael just because he offered a private investigator's card? He didn't want anything brought up to him. He didn't want someone looking into it. He didn't want his own life being turned to poopy. Even though that's exactly the path that it went down because he did what he did. And he ended up making it, like, a hundred times worse. He did. He did. Especially for himself. Yeah. Awful. He was going to run the barber sharp at Geneva's (sighs) nail. Who knows? I don't know. Um, Go ahead. So, at the beginning of the book, um, we learn that Darren is really close to McMillan. They're kind of like, he's kind of like another uncle. McMillan holds up. Grandfather figure. Figure. He holds up a 38 caliber 30 38 uh-huh. 38 caliber up to Ronnie Malvo's head uh-huh. because he's talking his granddaughter yeah we found out that Ronnie Malvo is dead mm-hmm. um and then we found out even further that McMillan absolutely did kill Ronnie Malvo we don't know that until his her his mom shows up at the end yes but that's not exactly what I'm talking about okay so, Darren, when he first went up to McMillan, he didn't really ask questions. He just kind of was there. He didn't want to ask questions. Do you think that Darren's rationalizations regarding McMillan killing Ronnie were valid? Like, just kind of his thought process? And this is going to get into... I think I need more on what you're trying to say because up until the point where his mom found the weapon buried in his yard i don't think he believed mcmillan did kill him he didn't until he found that out so it was kind of like a big cover not cover up darren didn't know mcmillan killed ronnie that's what it is the gun was hidden underneath the tree it was found but i sure. don't think he made any rationalizations because he made a result ra- it was right at the very end of the book he goes well yeah i guess this is what could have happened but I didn't ask any questions to stop it or see if, like, McMillan was in the wrong. Okay, okay, So, okay. I'm, I'm trying. Okay, I get you. I'm okay. with you now. I'm with you now. I was just thinking you thought that, like, prior to the mom showing up? No. And I was like, I don't think he thought he killed him before then. He was just like, I had no regard for Ronnie Malvo, and it's okay that he's dead. Kind of. I assented. honestly don't blame him. 
I probably wouldn't have asked any questions either. Ronnie was a very well-known member of the Aryan, Aryan. Brotherhood. Like, I always, I always know that word, but I'm not sure. When I try to, I see the letters in my head, I'm like, yeah. Orion? Aryan? No. <laughs> the Aryan Brotherhood of Texas. He was a very well-known member. He's already been initiated, meaning he's already killed one or more black people. Mm-hmm. Um, he harasses black people in his town for the fun of it. Mm-hmm. He thinks because he's white, he's above all law and everything, and he's done a lot of horrible things in his life. So, if I'm, even if I am a Texas Ranger and one of my friends is being harassed by this man, and he somehow finds a way to kill him, and I don't witness it, and I don't actually know 100% for sure that this person killed him, but I probably have a suspicion that he did, I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to ask questions. Because that guy... that's the smartest part. Just don't ask questions. No. Ronnie's a piece of shit, and... Nobody's crying over. At the end of the day, Darren was like, "It's okay that he's dead." And like, it's 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 like, and I I did I didn't like him. I honestly feel the same way. Absolutely, because if if there's a person that does that hates other ethnicities just because they were born or later hate, just uh-huh. the hatred in their hearts, let it go. Exactly. We are all people. We have all of the same race. We're all humans. Yep. Love each other. Uh huh. <laughs> That's just kind of the end of the day. I loved Darren's rationalization. He was just like, I helped one of my own. Exactly. And a, a guy that was a big racist is now dead. So I don't feel bad for covering it up, even though he didn't cover it up. He just didn't ask those So a huge questions. sarcastic. Oh, darn. <laughs> all right. All I have left for you are three. What would you do? I have one more. Okay, go for okay. it. Okay. How do you think Darren's mother will hold the gun over his head in the future? Well, we already know that she tried to get him to come to her house and help her out in whatever way he he could before, even though he honestly didn't really want anything to do with her. But he tried. Like, he was still trying to kind of be there in a way. He tried, but only out of guilt. I don't feel like he actually truly wanted to be there. So what now? Like, your mother has... There's evidence over your head that can ruin your entire career. What are you going to do? I honestly think he's going to try and find some way to get that gun back from her. It shouldn't be hard. I mean, she's a drunk and a drug addict. Sure, but she still knows. It doesn't matter. She Her credibility is lost. I think he's going to continue to do him, absolutely. But I do think there's going to be random times, especially because we know that there's a book, too, mm-hmm. that she's going to hold it over him in some way that I can't even fathom. I think she's going to try, but that's why I think he could, as long as he can get that gun back from her and get rid of it for good, like for real, mm-hmm. even if she tries to say that she had it or that she saw it, nobody's going to believe her because she's, she's, not a drunk. A, she's not a credible person. Especially not in the town that she lives in. She's barely able to have her RV trailer home on the plot of land with the landowner and all that. Yeah, so he's going to have to play real nice with her. He is. He's going to have to tiptoe. Because if he plays too hard, she's going to hide it so well that he won't know where it is. And she's not stupid. So he's going to have to play real nice so that he can always know where that gun is. Mm -hmm. So that he can get it back. The next book's going to be juicy. Yeah. All right. So go ahead and start with what, what your what Wait, would you do's. How many what, what, how many what would you do's do you have? Technically four, but one's not a real what would you do. But they'll be quick. 
Okay, I'll just go ahead and ask my first one. Okay. All right, what would you do if you were Darren, a Texas Ranger, and your friend called you to help get Ronnie, a known Aryan Brotherhood Texas member, off your property? was what would you have done in Darren's shoes at the beginning of the book? <laughs> well goodness. Um ask you first. <laughs> I think it's a case that I could change lives. I think I would still take it because I have And it wasn't even really a case. It was just like I have the opportunity to change perspectives. I have uh-huh. the opportunity to kind of do right. Um even though Maybe McMillan didn't do things quite correct. I would have held his back the whole time. I would have done my thing. I would have uh-huh. been there. It's someone from my community, an uncle to me, pretty much. Someone that helped raise me in a way. Would you his have daughter, it? granddaughter's getting um, racially profiled just by the color of her skin. Would you have filed those reports? I don't know if I would have. That's where I teeter back and forth. Because if I didn't file the report, I'm not in trouble. Filed the report, it's me being honest, but then I get in trouble. But also, I don't want to do things under the law. I love Batman, me as a personal person, but I'm not trying to be a vigilante in any capacity of the word vigilante because that's I'm... not what he wants to establish for his future. All right, since you were going to ask me the same question, yeah. I'll just go ahead and answer. I wonder if I went out and helped my friend and I diffused it successfully, just like Darren did. Maybe I wouldn't file the report. But it was it oh so successful two days later. But wait, the guy's dead. I mean, I'll, that's not part of this question. But it's part of the scenario from the book. True, but it's not part of the question. I guess. <laughs> Mine is. Mine's part of the question. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so if my friend calls me out to help defuse the situation and that is successful and I know that Ronnie left alive, McMillan's alive, the, do- the granddaughter's alive, I'm alive. I might just go home and chalk it up to a successful evening. Um, because if I didn't file that report, there's no charges to be brought up. Sure. That grand jury would never have even been convened. Grand jury without a judge at the time. That was so strange to me. That's how it always is. I, it's just... <sighs> Justice system. Yep. But... You always have to go before the grand jury to determine if you're going to even be indicted or not. And, and he was just like, I hope I'm not. I mean, there was one one black guy. Maybe he'll take my side. But everyone else, I mean, who knows? Right. And luckily, it went in, it went in McMillan's favor. But I think I probably would have gone and helped my friend. And honestly, I probably would not have filed the report. So you would have been more of a vigilante because that's what it is. At that, No, it's not because I didn't do anything. Nobody was killed that night. Sure. A vigilante is somebody taking justice into their own hands. And he necessarily didn't take justice in his own hands, but he also didn't give himself the opportunity to take justice in his own hands because he didn't ask the necessary questions to be able to do that. But you don't so need to ask like, questions that night. There, he was just like, on purpose, I didn't. But there were two men with guns held at their hands. Like, What questions will you ask? Sure. If Will and Jorge are holding guns at each other's heads, like, are you going to just try to get them to put their guns down, or are you going to ask a lot of questions? Right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> On a lighter note, what is your favorite comfort, wholesome dinner meal? 
My favorite wholesome dinner meal. Comfort wholesome dinner meal. If you went to Geneva's, what would you want? Mac and cheese. Sure. And one of those fried pies. I don't care what flavor. Fried pies sound delicious. I would take it up a notch and say that I would like some, um, fuck, what is it called? Fried steak? Not fried steak. Chicken, like chicken fried chicken? Chicken chicken (laughs) fried chicken, chicken fried steak. Yeah. With some (laughs) mashed potatoes. Mm -hmm. Gravy. Mac and cheese, gravy, Mm -hmm. green beans. Yeah. All of the comfort food. Collard greens. Delicious. Broccoli. Broccoli. All of it. Ugh. Yeah. Mm, sweet potatoes. Everything Southern. Everything Southern. <laughs> Which is like. Basically our Thanksgiving. Our Thanksgiving, yeah. <laughs> so for my Thanksgiving is a little different because it is like half like Southern comfort food, half Mexican comfort food. Yeah. And so it's just like the glorious both. It's technically Mexico Southern. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So, like, I can get, like, a whole big plate of, like, mashed potatoes, uh-huh. corn, and then I have, like, tamales. Yes. I'm like, I just get the best of both worlds now. Yes. All right. Going back a little deeper. Okay. What would you do if you grew up in a town like Lark? Get the fuck out of there. <laughs> Why would I want to stay in a, in a very racist town i'm gonna get out of there by a kind of doing what geneva's granddaughter did and she would go to college but she had to come uh-huh. back i'll go to college try to make myself alive try to get out of there because she was just like i just really want to like live in houston and live in one of the big major dallas, cities dallas or, yeah and so that would be kind of my goal like go to college get a degree get out of there okay i don't want to be there on that my, my whole life okay what's your next one um, if you were Lisa, would you stay with Darren? No. Really? Because all I know, I know that I'm really just trying to control him. Um, you kind of are. I'm not happy with his lifestyle. I want him to be home with me all the time. I want him to have basically an 8 to 5 job. He obviously doesn't want that. Because Darren's on the road. He's on the road. He's traveling. He has a passion. And if I'm not okay with that, which I've always... If I'm Lisa, I've already proven I'm not yeah. okay with that. I don't see myself ever becoming okay with that. Sure. So I honestly think I probably would just go ahead and be like, you know what? We don't even have any kids. We don't have kids. So I think it would be really easy to just go, you know what? I still love you. I still care for you. I want you to do well. Like, I don't think it would be like a hostile divorce, but I would think I would go ahead and separate and be like you know what we just want different things sure because they absolutely did and yeah yeah i wonder how it's going how their relationship's going to be portrayed in the next book and that's why i'm even oh so more curious to read it just because so that what's gonna happen if you remember at the end when she confronts darren and she's like you're not leaving are you you're you didn't turn in your badge and darren says no i didn't he makes like a kind of like an inner dialogue moment where he says, like, I realized by the end that I never told her I was coming home. Because at that point, he doesn't know if he ever, like, if that's plausible. Like, he wanted to be with her the whole book. And then they have that interaction because she thinks he's going to leave the Rangers and just go to law school and whatever. 
she comes to the realization that he's not going to do that, which maybe she's made peace with and maybe she's going to try and be okay with. But he acknowledges inwardly that he didn't agree or never said to her, oh, I'm going to go. I'm coming home with you. So that leaves it open to me that. Is he going to find someone else? Is he going to leave her? What's going to happen? I think he might leave her. And I I hope we see him and Randy together again. That'd be really cool. Honestly, I'm like as glad as I am that they didn't take it there. They didn't actually cheat. I feel like that's like answering my next what would you do. But really my next what would you, what would you do is what are your predictions for the next book? So one of your predictions would be. What was that, your last one? That's literally my last one. Okay. But you kind of, like, deviated into your predictions of the next I book. I did. So go for okay, it. Okay, I did deviate. Go for it. So, yeah, my predictions for the next book are Darren and Lisa are unfortunately going to separate. It's just kind of inevitable. They just want different things. They do. And like I said, I don't think it's going to be, like, a hostile divorce. No. They don't have children. Amicable? Yes. Ugh. They don't have children, so there's not they they don't have to have a, like a huge like custody battle yeah. or like figure out who's gonna play child pay child support. They just or, want different things. They literally they just want different things in life, and I think as much as they want to hold on to each other, because I do feel like they still love each other. You just can't if like your passions are somewhere else and they don't align with each other. Exactly, I think mm-hmm. their passions are just way different, and they want two separate things in life. And even throughout this first book where Randy didn't necessarily understand Darren's convictions for things, um, she also had kind of that travel spirit because she's a photographer, fashion photographer. Yeah. So I think toward the end of the book, I think she started to understand his reasonings for what he does and why he doesn't. And he also understands you know that she's very talented photographer and is going to travel and do this and that so i kind of think they and they had chemistry you can't deny that they didn't have chemistry Uh uh-huh i hope that somehow randy is brought into this next book and that that maybe they are gonna have a relationship because i feel like i hope so too they're just like like almost perfect characters for each other they just don't know it yet yeah but they couldn't be it before because like all of the implications of things but now like maybe they can it's like they kind of know but they didn't want to fully go there because they both know that darren's married yeah i mean obviously randy's widowed but i i think by the end of this book randy understood darren's passions and convictions for things so let's just hope that we see her next because goodness i want to read this next book just to continue on with this like because yes. darren's just a great detective mm-hmm. part of the texas rangers i mean i feel like that's a part of detecting yeah great just great story okay right. what was your last one I have one more yes all right what would you do if you found out I hid incriminating evidence for a crime that I committed on your property without your knowledge. A, first, because you're my homegirl, I'm going to cover it up for you. But behind closed doors, I'm going to be like, <laughs> what the fuck, Nicole? <laughs> so why did I hide this for you? What did you do? No, I would have hidden it. But say, like, somebody uncovered it. Like, I don't know. I might uncover it. Shit. I'm just kidding. But like in this book, it was Darren's mom that uncovered it. So it was completely. So if your mom uncovered. So I'm if my kidding. mom or your mom found ac- it. Accidentally was like, 
hey Megan, what's this weird knife doing over here? And you had an idea that maybe I committed a crime, but I kept saying I didn't. And then now all of a sudden, the evidence is being presented in your face by a third party. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Wait, what? You found what? It's like, oh, Jorge must have cut himself on that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, but for real. Like, if. If the situation was, like, me finding it and it was you, like, we're going to have a, a great talk. If it even was my mom or your mom, uh-huh. I feel like we could have a great talk with her and just, like, calm them down. But would you be mad at me if I didn't confide in you that I was hiding it on your property first? Not at first, but if you didn't confide in me at some point, then we have issues, girl. <laughs> because I feel like if something were to go down, we're going to be able to, like, talk to each other. Uh-huh. But if you had it for me the whole time issues yeah. that's all we're gonna have is just like not even big issues because nicole and i literally don't fight with each other because it's just no. we don't have mean bones in our body to do that so like it would be one of those i can find you and then we both just talk it the fuck out uh-huh. until we couldn't talk it out anymore and then like we'd find a way to be like chill with it yeah i honestly don't see it i wrote that question but i was like I honestly don't see a situation that I would hide that from you. You're just going to tell me and we're going to need to be chill about it. I think I would absolutely be like, Megan, I just I did blah, 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 and I need you to hide this. I'd rather, maybe, <laughs> okay, maybe don't tell me in the moment because I am an awful liar. Oh, yeah, you really are. I am are. a shit liar. So, like, maybe don't <laughs> tell me and then, like, I can do my, like, what are you talking about? Of course, it's like what? Wait, how's Jorge as a liar? Uh, Jorge is a wonderful liar. I'm a shit liar. Like so, Jorge knows the moment. What if I confide in at least one of you that I'm hiding something on your property? Fair enough, but Jorge, <laughs> but the problem is, is like Jorge can't even incline like do anything to like me to know anything, right? So if like if Jorge could hold it and then hold it against me and y'all hold it together uh-huh. and then tell me later because I am a shit liar, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> But, like, you'd have to make sure Jorge wouldn't tell me in any capacity because that would just ruin all of it because I can't lie. I just, I don't know. Like, even if it was reversed, like, you hid something on my property and somebody found it and, like, confronted me with it, I think I would have a, I wouldn't be able to hide my shock. And I'd be like, oh, fuck, she actually did do it. Like, I would just. No, I think you'd be such a great actress at that point. No, but without even saying anything out loud, I think my face would say those things. Yeah. You know, my face yeah. doesn't. I can't. Yeah. You have RBF faux show. But also, I have you should guilty die face. face. Uh-huh. I have guilty face. I have I wish you were dead face. Uh-huh. I have why are you talking to me face. And I'm just like, I, I can't like <laughs> I have like Jiminy Cricket on my shoulder at all times. So as much and as. I just can't. Like, as much as I, I want to hide things, my face gives me away every yeah. time. Mm-hmm. I feel like, okay, so I can see it. Like, you need me to tell you or not. I don't know. Don't tell me. That's the thing. I can't lie. Don't tell me. Tell Jorge. Jorge is wonderful at keeping secrets. But at the end, after everything blows over, then tell me. So I don't feel like an idiot the whole time. Yeah. But I honestly, I can't lie. But I think for me, I need to be told. Otherwise, I'm going to have a shock. Yeah, see, we're just opposites in that way. Tell Tell Nicole, don't tell Megan. Yeah. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we just both gave our most evil laughs. (laughs) (laughs) But what is your most evil laugh? Oh, 
get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. <laughs> I love how you had to preface it with the with the quote first. You couldn't just the witch of the west. You couldn't just do the laugh. You had to do the quote first. I had to. <laughs> my mom. I uh, love side it. note, antidote. My mom is like obsessed with the Wizard of Oz. So my whole life, the Wizard of Oz has been life. Yes. So that just there we go. Oh my goodness. Okay, let's wrap this shit up. I think we've talked this book way out. Way out. But it was just such a great book to listen to. Sure was. As well as it kind of opened my eyes even more because we do live in Texas. Uh-huh. But we live in a DFW area. It's very populated. Yes. But this book was in like more rural East Texas. We don't live there. So it was we really don't. interesting to like hear a perspective of like small towns. It was. And racism. I learned a lot. Like I understand in Texas we're in the South. I understand racism still exists. I don't understand why it still exists, but I understand that it does. But in a big city, it's not quite as prevalent. But to, like, read these things, especially about these smaller towns, you know that I can't even, like, deny that that's probably not true. Like, it's It's just not our lives. It actually probably is 100% true. Absolutely. And actually, when we went to Canyon Lake for your bachelorette party... Oh, we definitely. Oh my God, like, had a glimpse of just. We had a glimpse of how right winged that was, and yeah. how even our shirts gave us looks. Which, if you know the song Lizzo, um, could have had a bad. The song by Lizzo, not the song Lizzo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the could have had a bad bitch, non-committal. We had t-shirts made for her bachelorette party. Like, all the bridesmaids were, you could have had a bad bitch. Her said 100% that bride. We thought we were, like, so clever. It was awesome, in my opinion. I still love the shirts. Like, I'm not, I don't regret that we wore them. Heck no. But I did not realize that Canyon Lake was such a small town and that we got a lot of looks because our shirts said the word bitch on them. Which I was like, yeah, shirts say bitch. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Whereas we went to one winery and then we got in there and we were a group. We were kind of a big group. Like eight of us. Nah, something like that. And they're like, oh, you don't have a reservation? And we're like, no, because we're going to go but, fucking wine bar hopping. But you look around, there's plenty of seats. Like the whole, <laughs> it was dead. So they put this on these like weird couches and like we couldn't sit next to each other. And then like we finally looked at the bartender and we're like, can we just go sit outside where we can sit together? She was like, oh, good. You want to sit outside? Great. Yeah. Sat outside, and then, like, the service was just awful. When we left, it was just, like, but people other, were scoffing at their shirts. Yeah, other patrons were looking at our shirts and, like, oh, that's so inappropriate for a bridal party. So I, I, I just, I didn't even think, like, if I wore that, I can wear that shirt anywhere around here in Arlington yeah, or DFW. And, and people are going to be like, yeah, could have had a bad bitch. Wait, who did Nobody it? gives a shit. Like, yeah, exactly. But you were in that small town, which I didn't even know how small of a town it, it was. It was very tiny. And it was like, scandal. <laughs> it sure was. And it just, that's just a really small topic. Yes. Related to a small town. And we can't even fathom the yeah. things that truly happen in small towns. And it's just, Hours away from us. 
Yeah. So this book was really enlightening. It's eye-opening. Eye-opening. Absolutely. And it's saddening. Saddening. And we both just wish that this wasn't, that it didn't even have to be a conversation. Yeah. We know that it needs to be and that sometimes it's uncomfortable, but honestly, we just wish it didn't have, that that wasn't actually a necessity. Right? Yeah. At the end of the day, we love all. Us Rosé girls, we love all. Yep. Black lives fucking matter. You are absolutely just beautiful human beings. And we are behind everyone and everything. And we just love all. And that's yep. just kind of like how we feel at the end of the day. And this book was just a great opener to see like what racism looks like, even in the state that we're in. Yeah. And in the future, we want to continue to read books by black authors with black characters even though we have in the past we weren't very self-conscious on the books that we chose we just honestly chose books by the, the synopsis of them yeah and this now we know kind of just to dive in a little bit deeper and choose books more strategically mm-hmm. and that's our goal as a podcast and I think all books are beautiful i think a good way to end this too is like a quote i don't know who said it but it's a quote that i've seen floating around recently Um, it's, I understand that I will never understand, but we stand with you. Absolutely. And where can they reach us, Nicole? You can find us on Read Around the Rose on Instagram, Read Around the Rose on Facebook, and Read Around the Rose at gmail.com. We hope that you guys reach out to us. Um, if you have any more just like black power movement, beautiful books that mm-hmm. have to deal with dystopian or murder mystery or anything really, or honestly, those are just the two genres that we typically read, but we're yeah. trying to open up our spectrum of genres. We are, but we need everyone's input for anything that we read. Absolutely. So if any of you have any input on any book. I mean, especially in those two genres she just mentioned. But as we said, we have been trying to open up our genre. Yeah. But we want to know what our listeners want from us. Absolutely. So if you have anything of that, please reach out to us on those platforms Nicole just mentioned. Yep. And we would love to just add those books to our queue. Sure will. Um, We are definitely seriously considering the next book of this series because mm-hmm. following Darren was just like, a phenomenal adventure. Yeah, I really like him as and a I'm character. really curious if he's going to continue to like stay in the small towns of Texas. Yeah, and if we're just going to have more relatable, unrelatable like commentary to add to it. Right. So, so um, that's probably we'll just it's probably going to be the next book you get from us. But the next episode you're going to get from us is going to be a bonus episode. Bonus, and we're going to talk about. Nope. That's probably going to be the next book you get from us. <laughs> <laughs> we do these sometimes so in advance. We're just like, wait, what are we doing? Yeah. But either we're going to do a book, we're going to do a bonus. You're going to get something very phenomenal from the Rosé Girls. Yeah. And until so, then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Yay!